Welcome to Behind the Prop Podcast, where each week we will bring you stories, lessons, and some tips from Behind the Prop. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Pre-show checklist. Microphones. Check. Out check. Complete. Recording all channels. Checked and verified. Pre-show checklist complete. Our Bravo Tango Papa is holding short, ready for departure. Bravo Tango Papa, you are clear for takeoff. Have a great show. You're clear for takeoff and we'll go. Bravo Tango Papa. What's up, Wally? Hey, Bobby. How are you? I'm good. This is episode one, first real show on our podcast, Behind the Prop. All things for general aviation, pilots, pilot geeks, airplane geeks, all of us. Um, today, we're going to talk a little bit about a reflection of my check ride with you back in 2017. How, how vivid do you remember the day, Wally? Quite honestly, I, do, I don't remember the day at all. I, I did go in and uh, I was able to find my plan of action for that day. It was April 24th, 2017. And uh, I, I have it here in front of me, but uh, I've slept over a thousand times since then. So yep. uh, I, I don't really remember it. And that's a good thing because... Uh, you know, the ones that I remember probably didn't go too well. <laughs> probably. And I did pass that day. So, uh, kudos for the, uh, examination. And, uh, I was, I was probably prepared. I, uh, I think every check ride I've had now, now I've done four and passed all four. I don't care how prepared I am. I'm still a nervous wreck. I'm sure you see this all the time. How many people do you think are calm, cool, and collected when they meet you on that day? Well, first of all, let me go back and say in, in my 37-year uh, aviation career, you know, I've, I've taken quite a few check rides myself, and um, there's still a little anxiety even from my standpoint, so I don't walk in there. And, and I, I mean, let, let's face it, we, you don't want to embarrass yourself, and we, ha- we have a little bit of self-pride, and um, that's part of it. But I would say... Um, I would say 80% of my applicants, um, there's, there's a level of anxiety and, um, I, I do my best to calm them down. I, I just spend a little bit of time just getting to know each other. Um, tell me about yourself. And I, I, when I say that, I don't, I, it, I don't care about the aviation aspect of things. If you, if you, if you like dogs or you, you like to play golf or you, you like to water ski, uh, just, just tell me about that. And, and maybe at some point I can use that to relate uh, in the check ride to you. But uh, I, very few people come in just totally um, unfazed by the check ride. It's a big deal. It, no it doubt. It is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a, it's a big check or, or wad of cash, however you see it. I mean, it's a, something that you, you don't want, as you said, to embarrass yourself. But you also don't want to make what I would call a, a, mis- a simple mistake, that $500 button. I mean, I still remember working on my instrument. I, I think I was thinking about that button before I, I got to the airport that day. Um, it was, for an instrument check ride, it was the most beautiful weather day ever. Um, the density altitude was probably negative 1,000 feet. I mean, we probably had the best liftoff ever. I had the, I had the best air in the world and there wasn't any wind to go with it. Not a single cloud in the sky. So, um, probably the easiest instrument ride that, uh, some from a weather perspective, but I, I remember coming with that day thinking, what have I not done? What have I not prepared for? And probably studied every little cheat sheet in the world and probably read every 
every word in the uh, that was probably still a PTS back then, um, and was was prepared, but still, I know, and I joked with another DP recently. You could probably fail just about anybody uh, if you wanted to uh, on a check ride. Just basic mistakes. Yeah, yeah. the The ACS now is is or the PTS back then, but the ACS now um, pretty much outlines the standards uh, for everything. Um, and just because somebody doesn't meet a standard and it is unsat on a check ride, certainly doesn't mean. Um, they're an unsafe pilot. They may be a, a safe pilot, and they've they've made a mistake. Um, you know, at my airline job, we we stress that there's no such thing as a perfect flight. And in fact, at the end of every flight, we we debrief. Uh, the debrief may not be uh, significant uh, in length, but we do talk about what went well and what didn't go so well, and what we could do better next time. So. Um, you take every flight and, and reflect back on it and, and see what you can do better and try not to make that mis- mistake again. So I remember that day coming in here. I was a student pilot at the flight school that I now own here at uh, David Wayne Hooks Airport. And we have a nice check ride room in the back where we conduct all of our check rides and the, the student applicant meets the designated pilot examiner. Um, probably wasn't quite as nice of a room back in those days as it is today. We've, I've done a little upgrading. Um, but I had the room ready, you know, I had, I think I had all the log books out or I had them in there somewhere. I had everything tabbed out. Most everybody listening to this podcast, who's probably preparing for a check ride has done a lot of those same things. Um, as a, as a guy that's at a flight school every day and seeing people get ready for check rides, I think the mistakes that I see are trusting other people's tabs, you know, Hey, this is this says hundred hour and it, it's tabbed hundred hour, so I'm gonna trust it. And I get a lot of people running down the hall like, "Oh, I don't see the right sticker. Where's this at?" Um, how much how much prep do you think a student should do to get ready for one of those check rides? I think quite a bit. Um, first of all, uh, the first thing that we as an examiner have to do is we have to qualify the applicant. We have to qualify the airplane. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the applicant for their um, required documentation, uh, photo ID, pilot certificate, medical, knowledge test results, uh, logbook entries or endorsements and entries, that sort of stuff. So we're going to spend some time going through that. And um, I would say um, on a good, um, I don't know, this is uh, just a, a taking a wag at it, but 35 to 40 percent of my check ride applicants, there is a an issue um, with all this. Now, um, in out of those thirty-five to forty percent, in ninety-nine point, you know, ninety-nine percent of them, it's fixable. But um, you know, I'll have an applicant present me with a logbook where none of, none of the pages are signed, and I say, well, that's the equivalent of sending giving me a check that is not signed. It, it's basically worthless. So. We sit there for a few minutes while the applicant goes through and signs every page of their, of their logbook. Um, I may see a, an entry where the, or a logbook, maybe a student pilot, uh, an applicant for a private pilot certificate. Um, I, I see a, a cross-country trip where they did their night cross-country, and I see it logged there, but the, 
There's no time logged in the cross-country column. Mm. So uh, a lot of lot of minor things like that that are fixable, but um, right off the bat, uh, the first impression um, that I get, and, and I try not to do this, but I'm a human, and uh, um, I, I see that, and I think, well, okay, this applicant is not paying attention to the detail. And I, I, I will tell you that it does not uh, hinder my ability to objectively um, evaluate them. But uh, more so than not, it, it, more, it, it puts the applicant, uh, it raises their anxiety level. And so right off the bat, they're thinking, oh, my, my gosh, I've already... I've already messed up, and we haven't even officially started the check ride. Uh, we see, I see this a lot with the maintenance records. I will say, okay, show me that we have an airworthy, airworthy airplane, and um, they'll go look for the um, um, the annual inspection. And I look over there, and they're in their propeller logbook. And um, um, does that give you confidence they've looked at those books a lot? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it tells me they haven't yeah. looked at it. And probably what happened, probably the day before, their CFI sat down with them and just showed them everything. So what I, I think they need to do is they need to go find the books themselves and, and then find, find the entries after their instructor showed it to them. Basically a dry run. you know. No doubt. Um, Come out the day before and, and go through those logbooks. Find all the required inspections and, um, you know, fly that airplane the day before. Make sure you're in the airplane that you're going to do uh, the check ride in. Um, I have been on check rides where we have taxied out and the applicant um, doesn't know how to work the audio panel. And uh, they look over at me and uh, they, they discontinue because... They can't figure out how to contact the tower. Wow. Yeah, I think that um, as a private pilot, I probably wasn't comfortable alone going through all the logbooks before my check ride. I think my, my instructors did a pretty good job of teaching me. But I would say this day we're reflecting on it was really my instrument ride. I should have been able to do everything by that point, right? You're, you're upwards of 100-plus hours at that point. You... You're probably flying other people's planes. I think I see a lot of people come jump in my own planes that I know are all airworthy and, and have good maintenance, but I'm not sure I'm going to go jump in somebody's plane that I've not taken a hard, long look at those logbooks and made sure that that it's the first flight after a wing's been replaced, as an example. Like yeah. I'm going to be I'm going to be letting somebody else go first. Um, so I think you should, no matter what stage you're at in your aviation career. You should feel confident going through the logbooks, understanding what's required, understanding that you can go check those, that you have some plan of attack to review the ADs and that the ADs are in compliance. And if you don't, what, what should you do, Wally? Yeah, I, the, you know, I, I if, if I'm in an airplane that I am unfamiliar with, um, you know, I, I work with several flight schools here and I um, fly in the same airplanes almost um, weekly um, so I'm actually familiar with the airplanes themselves but if I am in an airplane that that I'm unfamiliar with um, I definitely uh, me personally for self-preservation I am digging much more into looking at, at these inspections and you know just for engine health I mean the, the, the first thing I'm going to look at is the compressions of the cylinders um, 
and uh, just see what kind of airplane I, I have. I'd like to know, you know, how, how, how old is this engine or, or what's, what's the time on the engine? Right. So I'm going to look back at things like that. I, um, I had the opportunity to give a, a gentleman a check ride just a few months ago in, a, in an airplane, and, and I asked him um, to see the annual, and uh, he, he looked at me and he said, well, I don't, I don't have an annual. And my eyes got really big, and I thought, well, what are we doing here? And then he told me that the airplane was two months old. Nice. And I went, wow, well, I guess I guess we don't have an, air, an annual on a two-month-old airplane. So Probably not um, even 100 hours yet. Yeah. No, it didn't. It had it, The airplane had 80 hours on wow. it. And so that that was kind of a nice surprise. That's neat. So I'm a, let's role play for a second. I'm, a, I'm an instrument student. I don't feel comfortable. I mean, obviously, I should ask for some help, right? I should go find a CFI, go find a chief pilot or instructor somewhere and say, look, I want you to help me feel comfortable reading these books. They're not that complicated, right? They've, they've, this is not new stuff. This has been around forever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty uh, – once you're used to looking at it, it's, it's actually pretty simple. Um, you know, a lot of the – these airplanes we have uh, at, at the flight schools have been around a while, and they'll have multiple books. So uh, obviously, the 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 if you have two engine logs, you want to f- find the most recent one and really start from the back. Don't don't start at the front. The front may have been uh, four years ago. So so find the latest entry, see what that is, and and go backwards um, and. Uh, you know, you can usually find everything that you need to do from from that standpoint. But again, when when we are to the point where we are looking at logbooks, I mean, we haven't even started the check ride yet. Uh, as I said, the first process is to qualify the applicant. The second is to qualify the airplane. So at this point, uh, you know, in a sense, you're not under the gun. You are under the gun from the standpoint of if you we can't show that the airplane is airworthy, we're not gonna we're not gonna fly. Um, but um, this is still in the qualification um, phase. So I had all those books, all those things flagged, all those things taken care of. We've got some nice check ride checklists around the school here. If you don't have one, I'm sure you can find something online that will help you get through everything to make sure you're prepared, as you said, on the dry run the day before. And then I think I, I tried to take steps to make the room feel comfortable for both you and me, right? Whether I took water back there, I don't remember what I did on that day, but I would have, I've done some crazy things. I think on my multi-engine check ride, I had a bunch of breakfast and stuff laid out. Sorry you didn't get that on my instrument ride, but I, I wanted to make sure that the DP felt very comfortable and was well fed that day um, for, for what we were about to go through. But what, what, I guess from that prep perspective, I've heard notebooks, people should make notebooks and binders. We recommend that around here. Anything to consolidate the information, I'm assuming, helps the DPE. And you you also kind of get that mindset that this person's pretty prepared. Yeah, you do. Um, a, a lot of people come in with binders, and they have everything there. I'll tell you one thing that is that that I like a lot is when someone has taken the time to go out to the airplane, and they snap a picture of the airworthiness certificate and the registration, and then print it and then show it to me. Now, I'm going to look at it again when we get to the airplane, but one thing that I – I cringe at is when I, I'm in the room and, and the applicant presents me with the airworthiness certificate and the registration because my first 
my first thought is, oh my gosh, we're not going to go fly for another two and a half hours. Uh, I hope somebody's not renting the airplane and about to take off right now. So that would be bad. For I'll me. usually have the applicant uh, leave the room right now, right then, and say, "Take these documents back to the airplane," um, because we we all know it could be easy to overlook that in a uh, you know in a pre-flight uh, uh, and and maybe not even have it on board the airplane. So. Um, that, that says a lot when the applicant does that. And it's, it's just the little things, it's first impressions. And, um, um, usually, uh, usually, um, somebody that's, that's well organized in, in that kind of thing is, is well organized in their thoughts. And the check ride usually goes pretty well. I, I've never done a, a, a formal poll, but, um, I would think the the pass rate of people who are organized like that is probably higher than people who don't. Yes, no doubt. And for me that day, I, I recall, I really recall once we kind of started the conversation that we had, you, you asked me in a very positive but challenging way, what are you going to do with this? And we had a good conversation about what I why I was getting instrument rated. I, I had a family... Uh, in 2017, my daughter would have been in April of 2017. My daughter would have been graduating in May or June there and going to college. So she's a junior now, so she should have been graduating then. And that was the plan, was to be able to go to Austin, watch UT football games, and participate in some fun activities, and not get stuck. I mean, at the most rudimentary level for a guy who – still at that point didn't see much beyond getting my instrument rating. I just didn't want to get stuck in Austin with a 100-foot layer that was 3,000, you know, 2,500 feet in the air right. to prevent me from flying home. So right. that was it. And uh, you weren't discouraging of that. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't say, well, think bigger, Bobby. It was just a calm, cool conversation about kind of what I wanted to do. And we talked a little bit about my work, and you shared – pilots for patients because I told you I did want to give back uh, even back then and we we talked and I think I know you know this but that definitely gave me a few minutes to settle in much like yeah. we just yeah. talked in these mics to settle ourselves in for our first episode that that does eliminate some anxiety for people um, and it, it put me at rest or it, it calmed my nerves for sure right yeah, I definitely, I, I want to know what the applicant's objective is. Uh, you know, uh, do you want to be a professional pilot? Um, do you aspire to fly for an airline? Do you want to fly corporate? Um, do you want to be a, a crop duster? Um, or are you getting this instrument rating because like you, you know, uh, maybe your grandkids live in Alabama and you want to make it more conducive to being able to get over there to, to see the grandkids. And, and I definitely tailor the ground portion of the check ride to your situation. Um, I'm probably gonna, um, I don't know. There's, there's just things that I might talk to someone who might be an aspiring airline pilot um, that I, I wouldn't talk to a, a, um, somebody like yourself about. Yeah, and I, I think from there, we did, at some point, you probably, well, I remember, but I don't remember what it was, but you probably asked me a question 
Like, why would you file an alternate? Like, we just, we kind of got into the questions, right, of the check ride. And again, remembering that I was prepared that day, I don't think there was too much. There was not. I remember on my private check ride, I stumbled a little bit. I had to had to get myself calmed down, take a minute, check something in the FA books, gather myself, and then tell the story or give the answer. Right? Instrument day. I don't remember too much of that uh, on my on our dialogue um, and the oral kind of came and went. So assuming in your history, that probably meant I was prepared pretty good oral, I guess. I, uh, I like to trick my applicants into doing the check ride. And, and I, I use that phrase because I tell them um, after it's done, I say, look, when, if I do this right, you're just going to feel like you just talked about a flight with a guy for a couple of hours, and uh, especially maybe more so on the, the private pilot or, or the commercial, um, we're going to cover every aspect, everything that we need to cover as per the ACS is going to be covered within the context of a flight. In other words, uh, we're not going to sit here and say, okay, well, we're done with weather. Now let's move on to systems. We're not going to do that. We may hit a weather element and then a systems element, and then another weather element, and then an air sp- talk about airspace, and then talk about um, physiological um, things. Um, and at the end, we're going to talk about it all, but we're going to talk about it within the context of a flight. And I, I tell my applicants that um, I may ask you questions that don't have black and white answers. I'm not going to I'm not going to say how many wings does the airplane have. Uh, I'm not even going to say how many you know. How many propellers does it have? I'm just gonna ask, I'm gonna ask you questions. Okay, if we happen to be located right here in this position at 5,500 feet, and you have this indication in the cockpit, what are you gonna do? And there are hundreds of right answers. Maybe the right answer is I'm gonna continue on to my destination, or I'm gonna divert over here, or I'm gonna divert over there, and and they're all right. And it might not be what I do, what I would do, but, uh, and that's okay. That's okay. You can convince me. And if, if we differ, I'll, um, uh, we'll talk about it in the, de- de- the debrief. Yeah, I, re- I remember the oral part being pretty calm, cool, and collected uh, and a good dialogue. And, again, prepared, but it was, I think it was just explaining my flight, my thoughts, the the challenging questions that are going to derive an answer to something that I should have learned, like when should I file an alternate? What rules am I bound to fly that file that alternate? Um, what would that alternate? What would be my decision? And I think I remember that uh, somebody taught me to always have an alternate short of my destination, um, and we talked about that why. And you're probably learning to you're probably asking to learn if I really know why I'm doing it or if I just doing it out of ignorance because someone told me to do it and yeah. all those things probably make better pilots. Yeah. And then I, I don't re- recall the, the, the dialogue or the interaction. I discontinued my private because of winds. It was 15 gusting 28 or something. I, that was not good. So I did discontinue that, but we went right out to the aircraft and um, I'm sure I pre-flighted like normal and again, probably hundred. So 120 hours at that time. And we took off and flew in a plane that I was very comfortable in. At that time, I had flown it significantly, and it's a good plane and good GPS and good HSI and 
we went out and flew and I the flight I I think I was more worried because I knew it was going to be I guess packed with to-dos right there's a lot of tasks that saturate a young man or a young pilot on a on a check ride for the instrument um and we are, if you're listening to this outside of Houston, their space is pretty crazy. Dallas might be the worst. You you probably have more experience than I do, but Houston for a GA pilot at David Wayne Hooks, we're right underneath Bravo. We have another big airport just north here called Conroe. Um, and then we have Intercontinental. We're inside the 20-mile loop here, right? So we're real close to big jets, yeah. just a few, few hundred, sometimes 100 feet above us. Um, and we went... That day we we had to go east, so we were going like right towards that airport. I remember, um, and then did some things around a VOR, tracked some radials, all pretty basic stuff. But I told you right before we started recording, you you did have me do something for the first time, and I I, I played it off pretty well. I, my partial panel was not the standard GPS guidance that I was used to doing. You covered something up, and I did a partial panel VOR approach, and. Um, if you're if you're listening to this and you've never done some of these things, you should really ask your CFI to challenge you on more than one thing that you do over and over and over again on the same heading at the same airport because that might not be what happens on your check ride, right, Wally? Yeah, exactly. And uh, unfortunately, the VOR approaches are going away. We have two uh, very close to this airport. The one that you did on your check ride was the VOR Alpha to. Six Romeo three Cleveland Texas that approach doesn't exist anymore, and the uh, VOR approach into Navasota, if I'm not mistaken, is is uh, it's on the list. I think it's on the list. It's yeah. still it's still here, but it's it's going to go away at some point. Um, so it's we're going to get to the point where it's going to be harder and harder to find um, the those, those VOR approaches, and um, and that's okay. We just we'll just adapt to it. And, and do some other things. But you're right, a, an instrument check ride, uh, depending on the wind here in, in Houston, if we're landing south, um, uh, a lot of times we end up doing an approach up in Conroe and then coming down and doing an approach to David Wayne Hooks. And I think the airports are about 14 miles apart. So the, the things happen in a hurry. They happen in very, very, very quickly. Yeah, I and think you're like maybe maybe eight miles off the final course meaning Conroe's set offset eight miles. So you might still be 15 miles from hooks, but you're only eight miles offset. Right. So you right. turn right out of Conroe again, southbound your, your intercept, your, your needles probably gonna start moving fairly quickly and you have to be really ready. Yeah. Um, and I do recall that being part of that check ride. So I th- we went, I think we went Conroe, we went Cleveland Conroe back to here and, uh, things can happen quick. And I, I remember, probably in the debrief, something being mentioned about not turning right when I was told to turn, writing some stuff down, trying to set up the plane. And then I hear somebody who I just met, but as a professional pilot, you know, they're expecting you to turn in the debrief. And I, I, I had never thought about that, but I can tell you every time I'm giving a heading, I do turn first now. And I think back to that debrief on that check ride to think the guy sitting there watching a screen is telling me to turn for a reason yeah. And he's not wanting me to spend 30 seconds even writing it down and contemplating it. If I'm able, I should probably start turning first. Yeah, and I, I will say to applicants in a, a debrief, I'll say, why do you think the push-to-talk switch is located on the the yoke? It's so that you can 
push that button and maneuver the airplane right. at the same time. So yeah, and he he is expecting that, and and then as you get more experience, you'll learn to hear urgency in the guy's voice um, because there's sometimes when uh, there's a little bit more urgency, and a little bit more urgency means uh, let's let's turn this airplane, yeah. let let's turn it now. And if it's five degrees or ten degrees, that's a big difference than thirty or forty, maybe sixty degrees. Right. There's a reason why you're trying to point that thing in another direction. Right. So calm approach, land, come inside. Um, I think every applicant that I see walking inside, some things have changed. Sometimes they know in the plane, but they're still not sure if they've passed when they're coming in the building, right? And I remember that day thinking, I don't think I missed anything, but I don't know if I've made it. And everybody kind of winking at me and thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, 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 I try to tell the applicant in the airplane, and, and it's usually a handshake. Um, if it's a commercial applicant, um, I present them with a dollar bill. And uh, they they usually look at me like, what is this? And I say, well, you tell me what it is. And I go, you're you're giving me a dollar, and I said, "Yeah, it's the your your first dollar that you earned as a professional pilot." And and uh, a lot of people ask me to sign it, and they tell me they're going to frame that dollar bill, and 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 that's kind of cool. So it's just a a small gesture. You you I don't know. You you give me a few hundred dollars, you'd think I could give you more than a one dollar bill, but um, I actually had one applicant that I, um, I I looked at my wallet and I didn't I didn't have any cash. <laughs> So I, I had to ask the applicant if I could have some money, and, and he reached in his wallet, and he, he had a five. And so he, he gave it to me, and then I gave it back to him. So nice. I said, I'm sorry about that, but I didn't have any cash with me that day. So The, um, the owner of the flight school before me, Bob Watts, hopefully you're out there listening to this show somewhere, um, he has always given a new CFI their first dollar when they teach. And I've carried that tradition on and I share those pictures on social media around here. Uh, I think it's a big deal. I think all those milestones, isn't that what this is all about? I mean, even a guy who's been flying for a major airline for 30 years is still achieving something uh, as you as you fly those planes around the world. Uh, whether it's one more hour in your logbook or one more destination, we're all looking for that accomplishment. And that day was a great day. I passed my instrument check ride. I remember it vividly on, on a clear day thinking, okay, I'm not going to get stuck anymore. And I, as a private who was working on it, I had been prevented from going places. It did hold me back. And not only I never had to go anywhere, but what I really reflected on once I was an instrument rated pilot was now I'm so much safer than I was before. And yeah. You think, well, I'm a private pilot. I'm a really good private pilot. But you learn so much when you work through your instrument. Then I got my commercial, and I thought, wow, I didn't really know that much either when I got done with my instrument. Then I got my multi, and I thought, wow, all this aerodynamic stuff is really coming together. And yeah. I'm up in this 250-hour range. And I'm, I'm just because I like to keep getting better, I'm working on my CFI stuff today, and I'm like, golly. I don't know that much at all, really, when you start diving into teaching the concepts. And um, we got a lot to share and a lot more uh, to pass along. But today we thought for the first episode it would be cool if we reflected on my check ride with Wally and some of the things we've done together as it related to that day. Anything as we wrap up today, Wally? No, sounds good, Bobby. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the, the podcast Behind the Prop. 
Until next week, do cool things. Be safe as you sit behind the prop. Thanks. Bravo Tango Papa. We are clear of the active runway and would like to taxi to park. Bravo Tango Papa, taxi to park. Great show. Have a nice day. Taxi to park. Thanks. You too. Bravo Tango Papa. Thanks for listening to Behind the Prop. Please follow us on social media at Behind the Prop or visit our website www.behindtheprop.com. Until next week, fly safe everyone.